0: From the scriptures and from life, that God tests the hearts of his people. Amen? amen. So I just want to look into this, or uh, maybe over the next month I want to go through some uh, texts that speak directly to this. And uh, a lot of them are similar, so there's some themes that we'll go over more than once. But each one is unique, it brings out something else, another characteristic of God and why he tests us. And why we need to be tested, amen? Remember, God tests us because we need to be tested. God is testing our faith. I want you to turn to uh, 1 Chronicles 21, A Crisis of Faith, I titled this, but it falls under being tested also. I will read all of of chapter 21, 1 Chronicles 21. Specifically, actually, okay, yeah, that's fine. Specifically, I have in mind, the text really addresses people that have been walking with the Lord for quite a few years, alright? So if you've been walking with the Lord for quite a few years, this is for you, alright? If you've got a couple of decades under your belt, if you're moving into four, five decades of walking in faith, God has a message for you, amen? Amen? So uh, for all of us that have spent some time in the Lord, this is for all of us. But the principles apply to all of us. Okay? Then Satan stood against Israel and cited David to number Israel. So David said to Joab and the commanders of the army, Go number Israel from Bersheba to Dan, that's from the north and to the south, and bring me a report that I may know their number. But Joab said, May the Lord add to his people a hundred times as many as there are. Are they not my lord the king? All of them my lord's servants? Why then should my lord require this? Why should it be a cause of guilt for Israel? But the king's word prevailed against Joab, so Joab departed and went throughout all Israel and came back to Jerusalem. And Joab gave the sum of numbering of the people to David. In all Israel there was 1,100,000 men who drew the sword, and in Judah there was 4,700 who drew the sword. 470,000, forgive me, who drew the sword. But he did not include Levi and Benjamin in the numbering, for the king's command was aberrant to Job. But God was displeased with this thing, and he struck Israel. And David said to God, I have sinned greatly, and that I have done this thing. But now please take away the iniquity of your servant, for I have acted very foolishly. And the Lord said to God, David seer, the prophet, saying, Go and say to David, Thus says the Lord, Three things I offer you, choose one of them, that I may do it to you. So God came to David and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Choose what you will, either three years of famine, or three months of devastation by your foes, while the sword of your enemy overtakes you, or else three days of the sword of the Lord, pestilence on the land, with the angel of the Lord destroying throughout all the territory of Israel. Now decide, what answer I shall return to him who sent me. Then David said to Gad, I am in great distress. Let me fall into the hands of the Lord, for his mercy is very great. But do not let me fall into the hand of man. So the Lord sent pestilence on Israel, and 70,000 men of Israel fell. And God sent the angel to Jerusalem to destroy it. And as he was about to destroy it, the Lord saw, and he relented from his calamity. And he said to the angel who was working destruction, It is enough. Now stay your hand. And the angel of the Lord was standing by the threshing floor of Onan, the Jebusite. And David lifted up his eyes and saw the angel of the Lord standing between earth and heaven. And in his hand he was a drawn sword stretched out over Jerusalem. Then David and the elders, clothed in sackcloth, fell upon their faces. And David said to God, Was it not I who gave the command to number the people? It is I who have sinned and done a great evil. But these sheep, what have they done? Please let your hand, O Lord my God, be against me and against my father's house. But do not let the plague be on your people. Now the angel of the Lord had commanded Gad to say to David, that David should go up and raise an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Onan the Jebusite. So David went up by Gad's word, which he had spoken in the name of the Lord. Now Onan was the thresh onan was threshing wheat he turned and saw the angel and his four sons who were with him hid themselves as david came to onan onan saw and saw david and went out from the threshing floor and paid homage to david with his face to the ground and david said to onan give me the site of the threshing floor that i may build an altar to the lord give it to me at its full price that the plague might be averted from the people Then Onan said to David, Take it, and let my lord the king do what seems good to him. See, I give the oxen for the burnt offerings, and the threshing sledges for the wood. And if the wheat for a grain offering, I give it all. But King David said to Onan, No, but I will buy them from the full price. I will not take for the lord what is yours, nor a burnt offering that costs me nothing. So David paid Onan six hundred shekels of gold by way for the sight. And David built there an altar to the Lord, and presented burnt offerings and peace offerings, and called on the name of the Lord. And the Lord answered him with fire from heaven upon the altar of burnt offering. Then the Lord commanded the angel, and he put his sword back into his seat. And at that time, when David saw the Lord had answered him at the threshing floor of on the Jebusite, he sacrificed there. For the tabernacle of the Lord, which Moses had made in the wilderness, and the altar of burnt offering, were at that time in the high place of Gibeon. But David could not go before the Lord to inquire of God, for he was afraid of the sword of the angel of the Lord. 22.1 Then David said, Here shall be the house of the Lord God, and here the altar of burnt offering for Israel. Let's pray. Father, your word is always challenging to us. We are 3,000 years removed from this circumstance, Father. But it means so much to us today who are here praising and worshiping you. Speak to us, Father God, how you use this circumstance to glorify yourself and to give strength to your people, Father God, and to Refine David as the king, Lord. Let us learn, Father God, how you deal with us in our own life. We ask. In Christ's name. Amen. I'm going to ask you just to turn to first Samuel twenty four for a moment. Jack, you can pull that up there. Oh, second Samuel, I apologize. Second Samuel. Again, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he incited David against them, saying, Go, number Israel and Judah. Crisis of faith. That the testing of our faith is no mystery. Scripture clearly testifies to it. God is always about checking our hearts, testing our heart. Why is he doing that? To show the genuineness of our faith. 1 Peter 1.7 clearly teaches us that. James teaches us that we'll go through uh, trials of various kinds, knowing that the test of our faith produces perseverance, spiritual endurance. So we can go the whole course. Everybody say the whole course. the whole course. Everybody want to go the whole course? Amen. It's not how you start? How true is that in Christianity? Doesn't Jesus teach us? He who perseveres to the shall be he who perseveres to the end. End. Should we ever take it for granted because we go to church when we're 20 and we say yes to Jesus or we go to church when we're 30 and we ask Jesus to come into our Lord that we're actually going to make it to the end? Right. You sound like an Armenian. How dare you? The Bible says we must preserve to the end period and the reason we know we're going to persevere to the end because all those who are saved persevered you know why you sure you want to know why are you positive you want to know why yes because he tests you that's why that's why that's why you make it this is no magic carpet ride This is no, I'm going to kick back now. My name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life and I'm just sort of going to float through the world here and I'll come to church or I won't go to church or I'll serve God, I won't serve God. No. No. God tests us. God tries us. God refines us. And God strengthens us. So we do make it to the end. We're kept. By the power of God through faith, First Peter says. So please understand something. This testing, though, it refines us and it removes the rough edges of our life. That's important. It makes us more like Christ and his virtues. But at the end, it's not about becoming a better person. It's about making it to heaven. That's the, that's the picture. We do count it all joy. God is producing something. in He is producing a perseverance and a steadfastness that we so desperately need because nobody comes to faith in Christ as supermen and superwomen. We don't have that kind of character. We don't have that kind of faith. God produces that kind of character. God produces that kind of faith. And this is why I want to speak about trials. I want to speak about testing, the genuineness of our faith, because you and I don't know what to do tomorrow brings. David, we're going to go through a story that David had no idea what tomorrow was going to bring to his doorstep. Even though we know it, we've had experience many times in our Christian life, the testing of our faith is never, ever easy. And it usually doesn't come with a calling card like, "Uh, Brian, uh, next week I'm going to test you. I'm going to start testing you. I'm going to make life a little miserable on you. And uh, I'm going to test the genuineness of your faith. And I'm going to give you all the details before it happens. It does not happen. One day you wake up and guess what? You're in the middle of it. You're there. It's always like that, Saint. So if you're going through something, you're like, oh. So it takes me like a week maybe a month and I'm going you know something I think God is testing my faith it never comes right away it's just there life becomes to feel uncomfortable even miserable uh, things get you know, things that used to be pleasantly predictable uh, for many years all of a sudden start to elude us it's not there life was predictable it was good all of a sudden, there's doubt, there's fear, there's anxieties, there's irritability creeps in, and, and, and all these insecurities. That's how I know when God's testing me. I'm not an insecure man, but when I get insecure, when I go, I, I'm the pastor, I pour out my heart. But this is the way it works. I know God is putting his finger on something in my life. When I feel like I can't hide anywhere, everybody's lucky. Everybody knows something about you, there's a conspiracy. When I go through certain things, I'm saying, you know something? God's testing. It usually takes me about a month of being miserable before I feel it, figure that out. But we find ourselves in a hard place. A very hard place. We're emotional wrecks on the inside with the big question, where is God? And many times all this is happening, and, I, and, and this is why, and it's happening to David later on in his life after much success. As a matter of fact, it's coming at the high point of David's life. Please understand this. That's why I'm talking to a lot of people that have been walking with the Lord for many years. Because you want to think that, you know, you're beyond being tested. Forget it. <laughs> you're not. You're not. You're not. The test is over. Guess what? When we go to heaven. Praise the Lord. But it is important, now, because that's the kind of story we're reading tonight. The last thing that you would think right now, David's on at the height of his ministry. Doesn't need to be tested. David's a well but he's tested. Much success, whether in life or in ministry with family, and we still feel like there's more to go, we just something is hanging over us. God is testing our faith. So please, if you're not going through that now and you're going through a nice place in your life, enjoy it. But when life gets uncomfortable, remember the sermon. Amen. And remember the series. Because life does get uncomfortable, and God does test our faith. And that's what's represented here today in our text. Through the life of David, his faith is being tested, and he doesn't know it. We see, it didn't come to him with a calling card. One text in uh, 2 Samuel says that God incited David. In 1 Chronicles, it said that Satan inside of David and that's a big discrepancy I mean if you're not thinking through that text then something's wrong who is it? is it God? or is it Satan? I'm not going to tell you now I'll tell you at the end of the sermon I'll tell you how it works out but the point is though both are spirits and you can't see it coming it's just there. I'll give you a hint God allows Satan to do things alright God says I want to do something to my, my, my servant David and I'm going to use Satan that's how it works out Okay, I love you so I'll give it to you let me give an example many times in our life in your life in my life we don't know what lies ahead do we? No. we don't know the weaknesses of our flesh do we? there are things in your heart in my heart my mind doesn't know about there's a waywardness in us do you know that? There's, a, there's an ability in us to forget God. There's an ability in us to get prideful about the things God gives us. There's an ability in us to forget that, you know, we rely on Jesus for everything in our life. And our, our mind doesn't know that yet. Our heart, it's in there. I remember going through a challenging time when I was a younger Christian. and God had done so much great work in my heart. I just i felt alive for God, alive. I felt like I didn't do anything for the Lord. I felt like I would have done anything for the Lord. And slowly but surely, I go through this awkward season in my life, and I remember asking God, what's going on? I try not to panic. I bring it to the Lord. That's all. At the same time, I was teaching martial arts, and I had this wonderful karate student. I, I, I trained him from the ground up. He had two left feet, two left hands when he came to me. He became a champion, he became a a strong black belt. He was the first guy to come to class. He was there early, he stayed late for many years. He fought in every tournament. He was a fighter. He was a born fighter, he loved to train. And and one day I turned around and and I noticed a pattern developing in his life. He wasn't coming early anymore. He was just barely getting through the door before class started. And then, when class ended, guess what he did? And after about several weeks, I'm saying, this is so uncharacteristic of this man. In karate, you don't, you don't have a, a, a talk, you do this. At the end of class, I made him fight everybody <laughs> on Tuesday. He came back Thursday, and we did the same day. I made him fight everybody. And we fought contact karate. After several weeks, he came to me, and I distanced myself from him at that time. Just made him fight, and I was sort of like aloof, sort of cold. That's a technique. And he came to me, and goes, Sensei, thank you. Thank you. I was getting soft, and I didn't know it. And I remember he left the dojo that night, and I was cleaning up, and and God spoke to me. He goes, Brian, that's why I'm testing you. You're getting soft spiritually, and you don't know it. You don't know it. David was getting soft. We can get soft, and we don't know it. I don't want to read too much into this text, but I believe some of it is there. This story actually starts in chapter 17. God made a covenant with David and all his house forever. It says this in 17 verses 7 to 10. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, David, from following sheep, David, paraphrasing, to to be the prince over my people, David, and I have been with you wherever you have gone. I have cut off all your enemies before you. And I will make a name for you like a name of the great ones of the earth. A promise is given to David of what God was going to do to him and to his home forever up until Christ, the great David. And chapter 18 and 19 and 20 show this marvelous, uh, victorious military prowess of David conquering everybody. Everybody is conquered. Nobody can stand before David. God shows his faithfulness to David. David did nothing. He was a shepherd child is all he was. And now he's not just king over the nation of Israel. He is king of the world. That no nation can stand against David and his God. Amen. And David did nothing. But trust in God is all he did. And the reason he did this was the second part of the covenant and he says I will appoint a place for my people David I love you but it's about my people Brian I love you but it's about my people pastors I love you but it's about the sheep it's about the people and he says I will appoint a place for my people Israel and I will plant them that they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more and violent men shall not waste them no more as formerly as formerly And the rest of the book shows that God's faithful to David. God was faithful to Israel. God conquered seven nations greater than Israel. He put them in there. He planted them. He watered them. He nurtured them. And even though they were rebellious, they still prospered because God is faithful. And it's right here that our story comes in. It's right in this this glorious time when things are going well. That a crisis of faith happens in David's life. Who would have think? It? Who would thunk it? <laughs> this is the last time you want to be tested. Test me when I'm not doing good. Don't test me now. I'm in the middle of a revival. And now you want to test my heart? And not just Test him. It's one thing to be tested in the weak areas of your life. But he's being tested where he's the strongest. He's a warring king. He's a warrior. But he forgot. That his military prowess. And his heroic nature. Came from the Lord. And not from the people he counted on. This is like, but understand something about David's life. It's like you read David's life, and it's, it's one of the great stories of the Old Testament, and the next thing you know is he, he's, he's having sex with his best friend's wife, and then kill him, kill him. It's like it's like David sometimes like I get to that part of the Old Testament and I, I try to go past it real quick. <laughs> because, you know, it's like you want to identify with David. But David was a man of great passions, but he was just a man. Amen, guys? And ladies, he's just a man. That's why we look to Christ. I don't look to David. That's why you don't look to me. We all look to Christ for our strength. It's important for us to know that. It's in his greatest asset of war and military prowess and faith. That's where God tests. At the height of his career, that's where God tests him. Do you know... That failure, I should say, success can ruin you quicker than failure. failure. Mm -hmm. The scriptures, I'll be speaking about this in a couple weeks. The scriptures point out clearly, when you go to a land and prosper, don't forget about me. I'm the one who gives you the ability to prosper. And the whole Old Testament shows us a nation that continually forgot about it. And God testing them over. Please, I, I'm pouring out my heart as a pastor for you. Someone who knows the scriptures. Someone who's experienced it from the Lord. You never know what can take us out. Success can take us out. Failure can take us out. Only God knows. And he knows when to show up. I'm telling you now, when God is testing you, if you can say, you know, Brian, I think I'm being tested. Hear me. God knows it. it's needed. Amen. Just like I saw my karate student. I saw him get something's going on. God knows when he, things are changing in our heart. And he gets our attention. What seems second to nature to David, now seems to turn against him. He's, ta- he's tempted to take a census of all his fighting men. Just to see how strong militarily he was. He was starting to trust in chariots and horses and not in God's spirit. The Bible says, do not trust in chariots and horses. It's by my spirit, saith the Lord. We trust in the Lord. David always trusted in the Lord. But something's going on here. There's some kind of hearing in his ear that there's a military campaign, most likely, this is what the scholars think, that he's hearing that that there's a, a confederation of kings coming against him. And 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 he's, well, we, I don't want to say he's scared, but... He's concerned to the point that he's going to take the census. He's never done this. Israel has never done it. But now he's going to do it against Joab, the commander-in-chief of the army, a great military leader, even here. Let me tell you something about Joab. He was sinister. He was a, a cutthroat type of guy, but even he would say, God forbid, David, don't do this. Even Joab knew this was going against the Lord. He starts to stumble in faith. He starts relying on men, self, and not God. You would think, this is why I'm speaking to saints that are older. Not older in age, because there's no old saints in this church. But when you're walking with the Lord for a long time, you start getting older, you start worrying about things you might have never worried about. You start worrying about your health. You start worrying about finance. You start worrying about your children. You start worrying about your grandchildren. You start worrying about this. And all of a sudden, when you're 30 years old, you're like, God, pray out to... You got the golden touch, and all of a sudden you get old, and you get a little more anal, and you and you and all of a sudden you get. Am I speaking to anybody? Yeah. Am I speaking to anybody? Yes. You start to think, how is it going to work out? How is this all going to work out? How the numbers aren't doing it? The Social Security and, and, and the four hundred and one k—it's not going to work out. This is not. I can't make it. It's just never going to work out on paper. David started to panic. How is this going to work out? Got to find out. I'll take a census. That's a good idea. Who's on my side? How many people do I have? David is just a man. You and I are just humans. And at any time one day we can wake up and hear some rumors... About maybe Social Security not being there, rumors about Medicare. I don't know what the rumors are, but you start hearing things from a distant land. And you're thinking, "What's going to happen to?" And we forget that the righteous never beg for bread. Thank you, Lord. We don't. Mm-hmm. Abraham went through this. Abraham, the father of our faith, was a man of fear. And a man of faith. When he was called out of Ur to Calendines, he, the Bible makes it look like he just kind of went. He left his family, he left his friends, his acquaintance, he left his country, he went to a land he doesn't even know. But when he thought, but the Pharaoh of Egypt said, you know something? When he sees my wife, and that she's a beautiful woman, they're going to kill me and take my wife. So this is what I'll do. Wife? Tell them, you're my sister. Okay. What did she do? She told him he was a sister. She was the sister. He was the half, she was the half-sister. But the point being that he got, he got afraid. He got tight. He forgot about God who called him. And he made a stupid move. And God covered him like God covered David. How about Elijah. Elijah went toe-to-toe with 400 prophets of Baal. Call down fire on everybody. Man of faith. The next day he got news, Jezebel's after you. What did he do? He ran into a cave and hid. <laughs> One moment we got this great historic act of faith by this great man of scripture. And the next day he's hiding in caves. We're human i love the scriptures it shows the humanity of god's people he knows what he knows our frame he knows we're just dust from dust we come dust we go we need to be tested this is why we make it to the end because god tests us and he strengthens us and like i said even joab knows intuitively that this is this whole real this whole deal is wrong david you're taking God down off, the. You're, you're, you're easing God out of the whole thing over here, and you're, you're trusting in men, you're trusting in yourself, and you're not trusting in God anymore. It's not going to work. And this is what happens. Fear is driving the whole text. If you look at it, it's a fear-driven, emotionally-driven text When God is not there, and we think about rumors, and we're worrying about the future, please understand that we become fear-driven. Has anyone ever made decisions, in hindsight, based on fear? Tell me how productive they are. David's not thinking. He's almost lost his head. Joab is telling him. We don't need to do this. You're the greatest king to live because of Jehovah God. And you're doing this thing that's displeasing to God. It's displeasing to him. He's, you're going to bring the guilt on Israel, David. But he's mad. He, he's mad with fear. He can't hear good counsel anymore because he's so... like a straitjacket on his reason. A straitjacket on his fear. He's forgot he's the man who ran out and slew Goliath with a couple of stones and a great heart of faith. All the memories are gone. It's fear-driven decision making at its worst. Faith is totally absent from this whole text. And of course, the consequences follow. He immediately realizes he made a terrible mistake. Does it sound familiar? How many times have we turned around after listening to listen our motions, not listening to counsel, to turn around and say, Oh my goodness. That was a terrible mistake. David cries out. Cries out to the Lord immediately. For forgiveness. He sees that in David's case. Not always in our case. I'm a minister. If you're a father. You're a mother. Uh, you're a leader. You're a boss. You own a company. Whatever it might be. If you, if you have a sphere of influence around you. Uh, especially in the ministry. Our sins can hurt a lot of people. As a pastor. My testing's is going to be severe. Praise God. Because God wants us strong. We need it. We're just We're, we're human beings. But a husband or a father who's leading a family is going to be tested because our consequences can what? It can affect a lot of people. It can affect a lot of people. We've seen the mess over many ministries that have fallen because the leader could not follow the Lord. Consequences follow David's life. He cries out to God for mercy, grace, and forgiveness. God just doesn't say, you're forgiven. He did that once before, you remember? With Bathsheba. When Nathan the prophet went, uh, he said, you're forgiven. But the prophet God doesn't say that now. He's got to go through this whole elaborate ceremony. Buying land. Get knocked. Offering a sacrifice. See, that's a picture of Calvary. It's a picture of Calvary. You know what a piece of land he bought? You know what that piece of land is? It, it's Golgotha. It's Mount Moriah. It's the same place Abraham sacrificed Isaac. Isaac. Mm-hmm. It's the same place they're going to build the temple. It's the same ridge overlooking Jerusalem where they crucified Christ. The whole thing is a foreshadowing of the mercy of God found in Jesus Christ. The only thing that can overcome David's failure as king, the only thing that can overcome your failure as a a human being, is the mercy of Jesus Christ. That's it. That's it. More time could be spent on that. I'm going to give a little theological reflection at the end after application. But the point is this. For all of us who've been walking with the Lord, God sees things in our life that we don't see. He can only see things that way. He can only look into the heart. David, most scholars say, got prideful. that's why he took the census. It was almost like a a Nebuchadnezzar complex. You know who Nebuchadnezzar was? Remember that kid? He walked around his great kingdom going, look at me. Look what I did. Look at this great kingdom of mine. He he walked the walls in seven days in one direction, in the other direction. Look at my great city. And then God struck him down because of pride. And many people think that, many scholars think that David was going through this. And I'm not going to disagree with that totally, but remember one thing. If you got a lot of pride... You can't have a lot of faith. Faith is not believing in God. Faith is trusting in God. I think there's a crisis of faith. Was it instigated by pride? Possibly. But without a doubt, this is a crisis of faith. He was trusting in himself. He was trusting in his military prowess. He was trusting in his army. He was not trusting in God anymore. This is at the height of his life. He's been walking with the Lord for many years. The last thing that David needed was to be tested. But guess what? God tested him. God tests because he has to persevere to when? To the end. And as I get into application, even in our older years, God tests our faith to teach us that we have to depend on him right up until our last breath. And even in the greatest times, we need to learn to trust in the Lord. We can never take for granted for a moment. David took for granted why he was great. He forgot all the promises God told him. I took you out of the pasture. I bring you out from following the sheep. I made you king over my people Israel. I gave you victory over over Goliath. I gave you victory over all the other nations. I, I, the great I am gave you all this. David forgot. And so will you, and so will I, if God doesn't come into our life and test us. Because I'll tell you right now, you can hear the best sermons, you can read the best texts, you can follow the best preachers, but God still has to take it and come personally into our life, knock on our door and say, I'm here to test you. And you say, but how do I know? Because life gets real creepy. Life gets hard. Life gets challenging. You get doubtful. You get fearful. Has anybody ever been there? Has anybody ever been fear-driven before? Isn't it a horrible, horrible feeling? Let's go into some application. God can do it anytime. He's going to be testing us right up until the end of our life. Number two, that our greatest strength in our life can eventually dry up as we get older, as I said already. Just because we have great faith when we're younger and everything is right, when we start to get older, we can actually start to shrivel up in faith and we can forget that no I am in the hands of God period not the government not a new president not new politicians not new this not if we get all the bad people out of the world no we stand in God's grace period that is where our strength comes from and the older we get the more we need to hear am I right Financial fears, physical needs, emotional needs, care for loved ones. All these things enter into our minds. They drive our decision making. And before you know it, God's not part of the equation anymore. I know I'm speaking to people now. I know we can get into this very easily. And we can try to figure it out. How is it going to best work instead of just saying, Lord, I'm just going to trust you. I'm just going to trust you. You've never let me go. God had never let David go ever. Why would he stop now? We have to listen for the counsel around us. We have to recognize when the people around us, God raises up a Joab in our life, to say, listen, this is not right. You're being fear-driven. Come to your senses. My student. great student, good fighter, bring him to a big tournament. He was stepping out of his, his comfort zone. He was fighting his big tournament. And he was doing really well. He had to fight the European champion. The guy was tough. I was big. And he came to me in the back and he was shaking. He's already fought three fights already. And he was like, I don't know if I can do it. And he started, I could hear it, and his voice was cracking. So I did whatever good sense I did. I turned around, I smacked him as hard as I could. I said, get with it! You've trained, go out there and you fight like a rabid dog. You fight for your life. I said, your family's here. Go out there and, I won't say anything else, but get the job done. He fought the greatest fight he ever fought. Again, he said, sensei, I need, I need this. And that's what God does to us. We don't realize. He comes sometimes, and then people, and you gotta say, hey, stop it! Where's God in the equation? If God before you, who can be against you? He almost the conqueror. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. You can do all things in Christ Jesus. Don't we all need a good slap in the face once in a while? <laughs> Hopefully this sermon does that. But God is faithfulness, when we're going through challenges and testings, he'll never let us be tested alone. Only one man was tested alone. Where? In, in the wilderness. In the wilderness. Let me close with this. I've got this whole elaborate picture. Satan on one hand inciting David. God on the other hand. He's inciting David. Who's inciting David? We know that God uses Satan. But two authors are attributing it to either God or Satan. You see, all our sin corporately brought Christ to the cross. The time is going to come. The greatest manifestation of the temple of mercy, of sacrifice was going to come through Jesus Christ. At that moment, at the nation's lowest point, at David's lowest point, God gave him the greatest foreshadowing of Jesus Christ. And that whole elaborate buying and purchasing the land, I'm just give you a little, I'm not to develop it, but it was a foreshadowing of the great mercy and grace. God used the known failure of David. God used the known failure of Israel. God foresaw it all and decided to use Satan to allow it to come to pass because it's only a picture and a foreshadow of the great work of Jesus Christ where we know for a fact that Jesus Christ, according to the definite plan and full knowledge of God, was crucified at the hands of sinful men. It's God's grace. He used David. He used the whole nation. He used the fear-driven emotions, everything, to give a greater picture of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Let's get ready for communion. I'm going to ask the ushers to come up and, and think about the sermon. Think about being tested. I don't know, maybe God spoke to something specifically in your life tonight. I don't know. But as we take communion together, Let's be grateful of that great sacrifice that overcomes all our failures, overcomes all our fears. This is not about leaving church today and trying harder. Please don't ever try harder. Just be more thankful to Jesus Christ. That's our strength. Amen? That's where our strength comes from. That's where our strength comes from. Father, we just thank you for everything you've done for us. Thank you for speaking to our hearts and encouraging us today, Father God, as we participate together as a body of Christ, brothers and sisters in Jesus. I pray you bless the sacraments, Father God. I pray that you give us grace, Lord God, as we participate together with grateful hearts, Father God, for the great and awesome sacrifice of Jesus Christ that overcomes all our failures, all our sins, and gives us hope in all our testing. In his name I pray. Amen. Amen.